This is episode 379 of the AWS podcast, released on July 19, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lisha here with you. Great to have you back and I'm joined by not one, not two, but three very special guests to talk about a very interesting topic. Firstly, I'm joined by Clive Charlton, who's a Solutions Architecture Manager here at Worldwide Public Sector AWS in Africa. G'day, Chet. Clive, how are you doing? Good, thank you, Simon, and great to be here. Thanks for coming on board. We're also joined by Andiswa Melissa, who is the Managing Director of Earth Observations at the South African National Space Agency. Welcome aboard. Uh, good morning, Simon. Thank you so much for having me on board. Uh, pleasure. Always, always good to have someone space-related on the podcast. And uh, finally, we're joined by Tom Butler, who's the Assistant Director of Digital Earth Australia Technologies at Geosciences Australia, or Geoscience Australia, I should say correctly. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Simon. Nice to be here. And thank you all for joining us. So we have a really interesting topic, which is Digital Earth Africa. And so maybe let's start with at a high level and this one, what is Digital Earth Africa and what are the problems it's aiming to solve? Uh, Simon, Digital Earth Africa in a nutshell is what we will call a, an all-round data uh, solution uh, for, for the continent. Um, specifically, I'm talking on the access to space data that would enable decision makers to make much more appropriate and timely environmental management uh, decisions. So so for for a long time, we've had a challenge in the continent, actually we could say globally, but more so for the continent when it comes to access to data, in particular space data. So we've gone and had open data access policies, but we still had the challenge on how do we get people to actually have the right tools and the right ways of accessing this data and processing this data and making it usable for day-to-day decision-making. So if I were to say that what Digital Earth Africa provides to the continent is one data set that covers the whole continent. And if you're looking at whether we're talking about sustainable development goals or we're talking about national development agendas and we're talking about cross-border issues, one of the major issues that we're faced with is having a consistent data set that we can use to measure and compare how we are all together meeting the global uh, mandates that we've signed up to, how we're all together meeting the regional mandates that we have signed up to. And Digital Earth Africa provides this capability because it's one data set that you get to see uh, at the same scale and the same resolution and including the products and information that is provided, it's done so at a continental at a continental scale. We've got very limited programs like this in the continent actually in, in, in existence. So the one side of it is the access at a continental level to a consistent data set and data products. The other aspect of it is that for a long time, our biggest challenge has been that though these data sets and products from space existed, we struggled to actually make use of them in the African continent because we have infrastructure challenges, in particular for making sure that we can store this data set because it's uh, high intensive uh, usage on storage, but most importantly that we can actually process the data set so that we can get the right information 
at the right time that we need it. So for me, in a nutshell, I say that Digital Earth Africa is about bringing data to the people rather than people coming to the data, which has been the tradition in our environment. And this one, can you tell me, who were some of the key stakeholders that helped make this happen? Uh, so Simon, we've had uh, Geosciences Australia as the major runner and lead. Uh, actually, I think the brains, the brains behind behind Digital Earth Africa, building on what they have done for Digital Earth Australia. Uh, and on top of that, uh, they've been able to uh, uh, gather funding and support from the Helmsley Foundation, as well as the government of uh, of Australia. And for this, we could not be uh, uh, more appreciative. Um, also, we've had the Group on Earth Observations as well as the World Economic Forum as the key the key runners at the international platform that have helped to try and 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 bring this program into into what it is uh, today. And what a great mission to have, Clive. Let me come to you because I understand that AWS through the Amazon Sustainable Data Initiative or ASDI is supporting the development of this project. And so maybe tell us what is ASDI and what commitments have we made to Digital Earth Africa? Um, ASDI is a tech for good program which seeks to accelerate sustainability research and innovation by minimizing the cost and time required to acquire and analyze large sustainability data sets. The ASDI currently works with scientific organizations like NOAA, NASA, the UK Met Office and Government of Queensland to identify host and deploy key data sets on the AWS cloud, including weather, weather observations, weather forecasts, climate projection data, and satellite imagery. These data sets are publicly available to anyone, and ASDI also provides cloud grants to those interested in exploring the use of AWS technology and scalable inf infrastructure to solve big long-term sustainability challenges with this data. The dual-pronged approach allows sustainability researchers to analyze massive amounts of data in minutes, regardless of where they are in the world and how much local storage space or computing capacity that they can access. As part of the ASDI, AWS supporting Digital Earth Africa and collaborating as a technology enabler for global observations, helping data users across the continent gain fast access to petabytes of decision-ready satellite data. And users are able to analyze this critical data within minutes uh, of being available and, and use it to, to develop preventative and early warning systems to address sustainability challenges like land degradation over time, climate change patterns affecting agricultural production, and severe weather trends that can lead to community displacement. And so, Clive, obviously the, the technology means that we can help provide this, this access much more easily and provide the processing as well. From a technical standpoint, obviously the, the listeners of the podcast know what AWS is and understand sort of the, the elasticity, et cetera. Is, is this predominantly a storage problem or is this a compute problem or a combination of the two? Um, it, it's a combination of the two. There's large-scale large, large data storage, so we're, we're, we're talking about petabytes of data. But it's also the processing of the data to, to make it easily accessible and easily usable. And with, with AWS, we can do both and provide that for users uh, easily and cheaply. For sure. Now, let me move on to you, uh, Tom. Let's talk about Digital Earth Australia and how it informed the Digital Earth Africa work. 
So Digital Earth Australia is a program run and funded by the Australian government. It seeks to make satellite data more accessible for the use and decision-making in the public and private sectors in Australia, ultimately with the goal to stimulate Australia's economy. And the history of this project is really interesting. Long before satellites had large storage space, Australia would capture the imagery from the Landsat satellites with our ground station based in Alice Springs and send it back to the United States of America. A copy of this data was kept on tape by Geoscience Australia, the federal department and the Australian government. Much later on, the project Unlocking the Landsat Archive was started. This aimed at making the data available by storing it on spinning disks rather than the tapes. The project eventually became Digital Earth Australia, which developed the first versions of the Open Data Cube, the software that manages our satellite imagery collections in Digital Earth Africa and Australia. As the Digital Earth Australia program has progressed, we've moved more into cloud processing and using web services and tools like S3. Now, all of these learnings have been copied across to Digital Earth Africa by the use of infrastructure as code technology. What a great way to uh, set a foundation to uh, to build upon. I think, Clive, there's been quite a few different uh, projects going on in the region. Can you share with us a little bit of detail about some of those other ones? Yeah, sure. Um, Digital Earth Africa is, will be based on on some of the some of the projects the ASDI supported in Africa, namely the African region regional data cube or ARDC, which was launched in May 2018. The ARDC is a is a data management technology developed on AWS that builds capacity in African communities in support of their local and national needs, framed framed around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and broader development priorities. This project focused on five different countries in Africa, which were Ghana, Kenya, Senegal, Sierra Leone, and Tanzania, and aimed to understand their data-related challenges and respond to these needs with improved access and use of geospatial data. Digital Earth Africa then expands on this approach and its goal to the entire African continent by providing the operational infrastructure and program that institutionalized in Africa. The ARDC demonstrated the value of providing enhanced access to earth observations to help local government in Africa map deforestation, fight illegal mining, and better support agricultural practices as some examples. Yeah, some really uh, great initiatives that are, that are coming into play. And Diswell, let me come back to you. How, from your perspective, is AWS helping to solve some of those problems that we've sort of identified? Well, the, I, the, the, the major one, Simon, would be around the, the access to, to an infrastructure that enables uh, all the users, uh, regardless of the skills and capability or knowledge of how computers really work, to have an access to, to these uh, huge data sets and products and services. Uh, so on one side, it's, it's, it's ensuring that we have a shared storage or a centralized storage and that not every each and everyone needs to be investing on storage. But I think in terms of uh, future development is the access to the processing capabilities that Clive was uh, was was talking about. That now we'll be able to to ha- to get to the AWS platform, create uh, accounts that enable them to have access to their processing capabilities to make sure that they can build innovative products uh, around the data that Digital Earth Africa is providing, but also that they can develop further what we would call downstream um, uh, services to to our governments. I think that's interesting that that sort of ongoing community effect and, and different organizations 
Clive, from your perspective, how do you think uh, Digital Earth Africa will help startups and enterprises and researchers and government agencies across the, the entire African continent? Yeah, I think there are a number of ways where, where Digital Earth Africa and AWS can help um, these types of organizations. Uh, for startups, cloud computing is so, so important. They don't have to invest in capital um, into, the, into infrastructure. Instead, they can use infrastructure as an operational expense, allowing them to invest where they really need to. Being able to provision the infrastructure that you need and when you need it is, is really important for innovation and, and experimentation. In traditional models, uh, organizations had to procure infrastructure we could take, which could take anything from six weeks to eight weeks before they could actually do anything, which really stifles experimentation. Now ideas can be tested on the same day on the AWS cloud. And with access to over 175 services in AWS, organizations can build all sorts of applications. And then on top of that, with the data and the availability of, of satellite imagery of the, the entire of Africa in Digital Earth Africa, it allows organizations to really develop um, additional services for, for governments and, and private industry in, in a really fast way and a, a, a really optimized platform. That, that speed becomes very important. Tom, give us a, a feel for how Digital Earth Africa is being built. I mean, you talked about the fact that being able to provide infrastructure as code meant that they could, could get up and running quickly. What were some of the services it's using? So I guess the, uh, the critical service, I mean, we've been talking a lot about data and all of that data is hosted on uh, S3 and that's stored as uh, cloud-optimized GeoTIFF, which is a, a file that allows you to make use of the HTTP get range request capabilities of S3 to just grab the small section of the file that you need to read. Now, this is really important when we're looking at massive data sets because it allows you to read just the small section that affects you from the massive data set. Um, underneath the hood, we have a, uh, a relational database server, an RDS, um, which is Postgres, and that is the metadata index that runs our open data cube library, which is a Python library that is open source. We co-developed that with a few other organizations around the world. And those two technologies, the Open Data Cube and the RDS, really allow us to query this data through space and time. Now, to make use of that, we, we have a Elastic Kubernetes cluster, um, so an EKS cluster, and that allows us to run a variety of applications that make up the Digital Earth Africa offering. So this includes web services. We've got uh, open geospatial consortium compliant APIs, and those are used to visualize and analyze the data. We have metadata catalogs for finding and describing the data, analytical notebooks, and this allows the interactive analysis. We offer a Jupyter notebook platform with pre-indexed data and a number of standard data science tools that allows users to just jump in and start processing and really um, analyzing that data. Um, we also run a variety of data processing jobs. So, I mean, satellites are still going around the earth and we, we like to think of this data as, as a service rather than just a static data set. So as this new data flows into our infrastructure, we'll be processing um, downstream data sets. So for example, identifying where water is in that satellite imagery and making that available for other people to do further analysis on downstream. So it's a really rich set of, uh, of components there to, to really make this data useful to 
a wide range of people. Now, one of the other things that's really interesting, uh, Clive, is that uh, this will be going into the new Cape Town region. So how is that uh, important for the users of this platform on the continent? What does it mean for them? Yeah, we're, we're so excited for Digital Earth Africa to be using the new Cape Town region, which launched just about two weeks ago. It's one of 24 regions around the world with another three regions announced. But it means users of Digital Earth Africa will, will be using the region closest to them, which gives them the best user experience, it's the quickest connection. Most importantly, we, we wanted an African solution for African people. And using the Cape Town region really aligned with that kind of thinking. Yeah, it's a really, really great outcome, really great use case. And this one, how is Sansa involved and how would this be beneficial to the public sector and data scientists and others to get involved with the South African government? Um, so, Clive, uh, someone we've been, uh, we were lucky enough that Geosciences Australia brought uh, Sansa in quite early on into the into the program, alongside partners such as the Group on Earth Observations, the World Economic Forum, um, and the government uh, of Kenya. Some of the entities there, and the idea behind uh, behind this was to make sure that we're building a program that is informed by the needs in the African in the African continent. So this was a much welcome. Uh, Action from from the geosciences Australia's side. So so one of the things that we provide is more guidance and information in terms of what we know is happening on the ground and what the requirements of the of the continent are. One of the major benefits, and, and I think with this, I'll also connect to, to Clive's response around the role of the startups or what the startups can benefit through this program. Um, if you look at the value chain that we have from researchers to the last mile user, and when we're talking about the last mile user, it goes behind, it goes beyond what we'd call the government, but we're talking about the farmer who's looking for a simple answer to a question on when to plant, how much fertilizer to use at what particular time of the field and when to harvest. So in this value chain, you're looking at providing data scientists with a robust and agile platform to actually continue building the science around and the innovation around what space data can do. Um, and you're looking at government uh, taking uh, these, especially for entities like ourselves as a space agency where we forever hunting for innovative solutions in order to help the rest of the government uh, departments that we are meant to serve to address their problems. But we're also looking at what the startups and the private sector can do to come on board and and take these uh, research solutions, if we were to put it, and operationalize them. And platforms like Digital Earth Africa uh, provides this. So our involvement as Santa is both at a continental level in terms uh, of making sure that this is a fit for purpose program at a continental level, but also at a national level and also regional level, now talking uh, towards SEDEC, is making sure that this program feeds into the already existing strategies like the SEDEC cyber infrastructure, um, the SEDEC space program, and also we bring it down at a national level. We have a responsibility for industry development. So we're looking at this kind of platform to actually help us drive that mandate that we have we have at a national level. So it's it's quite a it's quite a rich program for an entity like Sansa to be to be involved in because it it does encompass all the views in terms of what as an organization we we are mandated to to do. Indeed it covers uh, many domains. Now um Tom, what are some of the next steps for Digital Earth Africa, in, in, particularly in terms of when the community would start seeing products become available? 
So um, right now we're really working hard to make sure that we have enough data to make it useful. Uh, so we're working closely with our partners, Element 84, to uh, have a analysis-ready data set from the Sentinel-2 uh, platform. So this is helping them convert it into cloud-optimized GeoTIFF format and using the spatio-temporal asset catalog metadata. And then that really unlocks a whole ton of um, downstream products. Now, similarly, we're also working with the USGS. We hope to have their Landsat data set um, available soon when they release their new collection two in AWS over, I guess, the next few months or so. So for, a, I guess, when we expect people to really start using this in Anchor, we're looking towards the end of the year. And um, yeah, the intent is that as we go on, we'll add more and more data sets, more platforms, more services, and really keep on um, focusing on the users and what they need. Yeah, that, that iteration becomes really, uh, really important and really exciting. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. And Andy, so thank you for joining us as well on what a great initiative to be leading. Thank you very much, Simon. And Clive, thank you for coming and sharing some of that context with us as well. Thank you very much, Simon. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place for that. And until next time, keep on building.